Welcome to Season 3 of Love Unlimited with Helen podcast. In this season, we shall open up our borders and explore the vast richness, abundance, and uniqueness of life. We shall dig deep to learn more about relationships in their every single sense. Our guests for this season are equipped with loads of wisdom and knowledge that I'm also eager to delve into as I learn and grow. Hi, my name is Helen, Certified Master Life Coach and Certified Relationships Coach. Love, life and prosperity drive my curiosity and I love delving into all this with joy. What drives you? If you haven't connected with me yet, please make a point to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. Let's continue the talk after this podcast on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And my pen name is Guru Helen. You can also learn more about me and what I'm about on www.guruhelen.com. I look forward to connecting more with you. This podcast is sponsored by Popstar Seize Your Center Stage. It is available on Handbook and Kindle version. You can get yourself a copy on Amazon.ca, Amazon.com, or better still, you can find it on my website at www.guruhelen.com. Welcome to the show. Our guest today is Monica Solomon Glower, a certified advanced grief recovery specialist and fellow griever as well. Her first-hand expertise in grief was experiencing a loss of health, a loss of a family, and a loss of relationships. Her first desire for healing led her to first learn about what grief is really about and what it means to truly grieve. A lack of understanding what grief is and how it should be managed when it manifests is not common knowledge. Lack of understanding is what leads people to develop mental health, struggle, addiction issues, and interpersonal relationship problems. Grief and trauma are highly intertwined and she is passionate about counseling people and providing psychoeducation to help people grieve well and live free. Welcome to the show. Today we are honored to have Monica Solomon Glower, a beautiful friend of mine whom we've known each other for over six years. And I have seen her career path grow, as like I've said in the bio. And more than that, she is eager and happy to share with us what she has learned in her life and even in the academics. Today, we are going to talk about trauma. We are going to talk about abuse. We are going to talk about relationships. We are going to talk about psychology. We are going to dig deep and wide in these fields. Welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you so much for having me, Helen. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you and welcome again. Now, before we talk anything outside or into what we're about to talk, I'd like you to give us a brief background as to why you have decided to pursue the line of psychology in your life? Well, it may sound cliche, but I've always known that I've wanted to help people. So that can be done in a variety of ways. But for me, it was very much, it was on my heart since I was younger. I want to say about high school. So 
over 10 years, kind of aging myself here. And, um, (laughs) and for me, it was, I wanted to hold people in the deepest pain. I was always a type of person that was very sensitive and kind of told that I was sensitive. And I kind of felt like it was hard to relate to people. And then as I grew up, I found out that other people felt similarly to me. So I thought it would be really wonderful to build a community, to get education that helps people to feel empowered and to understand more about themselves. So I pursued a uh, bachelor's degree in psychology. So I graduated in 2018. Currently, I'm getting my master's in counseling psychology at Yorkville University. And I will wow. be Congratulations on that. Wow. <laughs> Counseling psychology. I'll maybe I'll visit you soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you serious? Anytime. Come visit my oh, older. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Continue. So yeah. you're doing counseling psychology in is it McMaster or Master? It's a master's, it's a master's degree and it's done wow. through uh, Yorkville university. It's based out of new Brunswick here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a wonderful program. And on top of it, um, and this brings us kind of more to our podcast and our subject here. I'm also additionally certified um, while I'm getting my uh, master's in counseling psychology as a grief recovery specialist. So I do grief counseling sessions with people and they're specialized intensive clinically programmed sessions to help people overcome their grief and their pain. Because I found that as you're working with people that have all these mental health concerns, their issue isn't mental health. Mental health is an issue of a broken brain. Mm-hmm. Grief is a broken heart. Wow. So a lot of us are suffering more with a broken heart more than we're suffering with a broken brain. And I've found that when you heal the heart, the brain seems to get into step as well too. Oh, wow. Thank you for telling us that. I'll take you back to a day when I lost my father. That was in 2005. And I never grieved. Well, so to speak, I never grieved, but the pain stayed on for much longer because I didn't know how to release it. What would you recommend to people who are going through grief and are playing strong like I did? Well, I would recommend releasing yourself and I will release you Mm. by giving you a little bit of a fact. Mm -hmm. Grief is the normal and natural reaction to loss that we experience. So many times, the reason exactly, when I heard that, I said, really? I thought it was something we had to be ashamed of. So many Mm -hmm. times people say, don't cry, be strong for others. Parents see their kids cry and they say, stop crying. I'll give you something else to cry about. (laughs) (laughs) My mother, my mother. (laughs) I definitely heard that as well too growing up. Wipe those eyes, doesn't matter. But the truth is- Don't cry for nothing. (laughs) Exactly, or I'll give you something to cry about. It's the Mm -hmm. way it goes. Truthfully, grief is the normal and natural reaction to loss. So what that basically means, Helen, is that that is our platform to being honest with ourselves because saying strong is not actually strength. Knowing what you need is a sign of strength. Let me give you an example. If I am hungry, which I definitely am, I uh, Mm -hmm. work as a therapeutic assistant currently at Mm -hmm. a school, so just helping kids with behavior issues, and I get off of work at around 3.30, and Mm -hmm. I did this podcast for five o'clock, but I very much knew that I'm going to be hungry because I don't eat breakfast. I have a smoothie for my vegetables, live that plant-based. I knew I would be hungry. So what did I do? I said, I made sure in between doing my makeup and doing my hair that I would eat something. Now, was it the healthiest? No, it was pasta, but it wouldn't have been a sign of strength for me to come here and do this podcast while I'm talking and my stomach is rumbling harder (laughs) and louder 
than my voice. <laughs> yeah, it, it competes with you. <laughs> and it's that same. happens to me too. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the same thing with grief as well. It's not a sign of strength to show, well, I'm not thinking about this. I'm not feeling this. The sign of strength is hearing your need and giving yourself as much tenderness as you would give somebody else. Because we suck wow. at being compassionate, don't we? Really? Oh, yeah, we do. We do, we do, we do. And for me, because I'm a fast one, I thought I needed to be strong for everyone else. Now, there's the opposite kind of people who mourn forever. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with those kinds of people? So it's about a mentality shift. So mourning forever kind of is an interesting statement in the fact that it makes me wonder two things. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what grief is? And do you understand who you are? Mm-hmm. The reason why I say this, and I know it sounds kind of profound, like, what does that mean? What that yeah. basically means is that a lot of times when people are mourning for a while, a lot of times Mm -hmm. it has to do with the fact that they haven't been given the tools. And that's so much about the grief counseling that I do is giving clients the tools first. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of psychoeducation in regards to grief. And then we work towards dealing with their grief in a more personal sense. Um, Uh Mourn for a very long time. Usually it has to do with not having the right tools needed to bring your loss into completion. We never say overcome. Because I'll give you an example. As much as you love your precious father that raised you and made you the strong, beautiful woman you are today, you're never going to get over the fact that you lost him. Why? Because that you are always going to be his daughter. He will always be your daddy, which is why we never say we overcome our loss. We bring it to completion. So all the pain that you have felt up until 2005, till he died, the grief uh-huh. recovery method works to bring that to completion. So you yeah. still have your precious daddy and all of those wonderful memories, but all of the pain, the regrets, the unsaid moments, that gets resolved. So it's uh-huh. usually people who feel like they're mourning very long. It has to do with that. Now, so they don't get the issues resolved. Exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. And the great thing about grief is, is that once your issues are resolved, it's gone. You move on. You move on. You move on. Yeah. You keep the good memories of it, but you're not tied to the pain that causes you to get stuck in addiction, to get Uh, stuck in issues of mental illness, to get uh, different types of coping styles. Some people are very much angry after they deal with grief. Grief is um, something that causes anger in a lot of people and anger uh, is a secondary emotion. Now you've just led me to that. Thank you for saying that because now I understand all the stages I went through the grieving. I was first of all very strong, but after not being strong for a while, I had to reach a breaking point. And that was about four years later. And I went to my dad's grave and I cried. My kids were already there and they were shocked. They'd never seen such a pool of tears. But I needed to do that because I didn't do it for three years. And when I cried, I felt such good relief. And I talked to him and I told him, I'm sorry for not mourning you. I'm sorry for not letting you go. You're now at peace. Go. And I used to have dreams about him almost every day until then. So after that, I slept very well. And occasionally he'll revisit me and I know he always has a reason for for him to visit me in my dreams. I know he's a free soul to do that. And I understand 
But and now I understand that if I hadn't let go, put closure to what was happening in my life, I would still be tortured to date. Yes. On the other hand, I have my mom who has not had closure. She's still mourning to date. And I think that's very common. We think people are in pain because of what we are doing, but they're projecting from past grief. Yes, this has very much to do with what we were talking pre-recording. Yeah. Exactly. Love my talk with you, but I'll give you a small example. Mm-hmm. When say time heals all wounds. That is mm-hmm. absolute nonsense. Because if I took oh. this cup right now and I put this cup down and I decide I'm not going to move it for 30 years, is this cup going to move? No. Same thing with grief, unless we take the small, correct actions to heal our broken heart. And a lot of us don't have those tools. We weren't raised with it, which is why professionals exist out there, which is why I did certification as a grief recovery specialist. Mm -hmm. They can help you get the tools to move this to a place elsewhere. Exactly. Oh, nice. I like that analogy. Yeah. So until you move it, it won't move. And you know, grief is always foreign. There's nobody who is a master of grief. Yeah. Now, let me ask you one question. Of course. Apart from death, what else do we grieve over? Because I know grief is not just about death. Oh, we grieve a lot. You asked my favorite question. Because <laughs> grief actually has to do more with the loss of something mm-hmm. rather than the connection that it's tied to. Let me give you an example. When mm-hmm. somebody dies, you lose a loss of love. If it's a mother Mm -hmm. or father that loses you, mother and Mm -hmm. fathers are wonderful, wonderful beings on this earth. So children, if you're listening, honor your mother and father. Uh Yeah, they're trying their best. They are trying their best. But when you lose a parent, you don't just grieve the death that they went into the casket. Now they're in the ground or they're cremated. Mm -hmm. You grieve the loss of love, unconditional love, Mm -hmm. the loss of connection. You grieve the, grieve the loss of safety. It doesn't matter how old you are. When you lose a parent, you feel like a part of your innocence is taken. Oh, yes. And so, yeah. And for anybody, regardless of when they have lost that parent, whether you're 12 years old, whether you're 82 years old and you your mom or dad passes away and they're 100 years old, it's always going to hit you like that. Mm-hmm. That, related, that That related to... Grief and loss can be tied to other events and can be just as relatable, even if you haven't gone through a debt, because mm-hmm. there are lots of things in our lives that cause us to have a loss. Mm-hmm. For example, if you, <coughs> excuse me, if you end up going through a divorce, you're not just yeah. losing marriage, you're actually losing the loss of a potential family. You yeah. are losing the loss of connection. Some people yeah. very much grieve finances. You lose the mm-hmm. life you had when you have that joint bank account. You yeah. grieve having the the in-laws, you grieve the Thanksgiving dinners. Mm -hmm. There are so many things when it comes to grief that are tied to a specific loss that causes us to feel like we don't have that safety and security anymore, which is why loss is not just tied to those big things such as death or divorce. I actually hate using the term big things because in grief recovery, there is no comparison of pains. Everything is subjective. Every pain is subjective. And you know why that is? It's mm-hmm. because pain is felt at 100% on my end, not yours. Ooh, banger. That's true. I'm it's the so one feeling the pain, not the counselor. That's very true. That's yeah. very true. That's why and you can't gauge my pain as a small pain versus another one you've talked to someone else that's bigger in quotes. 
So you can't gauge that. That's absolutely true. Oh, wow. I never thought of it that way. So there's nothing like a small pain and a big pain. It's all grief. Yeah, it's all grief and it's all normal and natural. I was actually talking to a professor of mine and she's a very wonderful professional mentor. Mm -hmm. And I consider her just the joy to my heart, a family friend at this point. And Mm -hmm. she posted very openly because she's a certified grief recovery specialist herself. She actually certified me that Uh she was grieving a memory that popped up on Facebook of her being pregnant. So her and her husband have very much decided that they're not having kids anymore. And it's not really our concern why or why not, but they have one very beautiful little boy and that Facebook picture popped up. And she said, I was so filled with grief because I knew I would never have my pregnancy tummy. And I loved my pregnancy. Uh, and that sounds so silly. We're like, what do you mean? It's a tummy. Just like eat a bunch of pasta. You'll <laughs> or just stick a pillow in there. It's not the same. There's no life in the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's not that the is, same. That is very true. But now I good. let's switch gears a bit. There yes. are people who are abused in their relationships. Yes. And they'd rather stick in their relationships than grieve over a dead relationship. Yes. What would you advise those ones? So very much, it's a very big question because when it comes to abusive relationships and domestic violence and just interpersonal trauma, I will say there's intergenerational trauma Uh, with the mm -hmm. mom, the dad, to the kids, to the grandparents, and you get the whole sequence, but there's Mm. a lot of interpersonal trauma. It could be that, yeah, maybe my mom and dad raised me a certain way. And now I'm very much conditioned that yelling is love, but very or I date someone exactly that is um, similar to that. And now we have interpersonal interrelational trauma with that with each other. So grief is very much tied. And I've actually counseled quite a few clients myself, specifically in this area. And what I say to them is that a big part of freeing ourselves from some of these traumatic and abusive and dysfunctional patterns, because even if it's not abusive, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should be in an unhealthy relationship. Yeah, abuse just takes kind of a higher shift into a lot of very criminal and psychologically broken things that happen that are just wounding people, even at a biochemical other level, mm-hmm. sorry, but um, the unhealthy dynamic isn't good too. And it's a great question you ask Helen, but that's related to grief as well. When we mm-hmm. grow up a certain way and we are not seen as children and we're not heard as children, that causes a lot of trauma. So I will also mm-hmm. plug my Instagram here and I'll explain a little bit, but I'm mm-hmm. actually a series right now on my Instagram page for those that would like to check it out um, on how grief affects your trauma styles. So when something happens to us, like I'll give you an example as children where we're deeply wounded and we're hurt and there's nothing we can do about it. That's where trauma forms. Trauma forms in the area where we experience such a painful loss that we cannot handle it and our brain physically splits. Whoa. Yes, I will tell you a little bit more about that coming up. There are some specialized therapies out there that help kind of get your right side and your left side together so that you can process trauma. But when it comes to being traumatized and having that grief, it is because we've experienced a trauma and we could do nothing about it that we develop this grief. And when we develop grief, grief feels awful. I'll give you an example. If I hurt my leg 
and it hurts to stand on it, what will I do? I will compensate it by standing on my left leg more than my right leg. Simply what we do. So when we get hurt and we get traumatized and we feel pain and grief from it, we develop trauma coping styles. Now, there are four main ones. There are fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And I go into a little bit more detail onto my Instagram, but you can definitely... Tell us us those four. Explain about those four. I'm very curious about that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you how that will affect, just so I don't trail off. You let me know. Yeah, I'll take you. I'll bring you back. Perfect. But I'll let you know how those trauma styles affect relationships and how we get stuck in those Mm -hmm. toxic situations. But when we get hurt, we don't want to feel that pain ever again. And our brain and our nervous system get so highly activated that they don't want to deal with it again. We're feeling that rush of hormones, those rush of chemicals that are telling us, oh my God, danger, something bad is happening. So to avoid that feeling, we end up developing certain types of coping styles. So the first one is fight. Fight is a pretty obvious one. But when people get traumatized and they feel grief and they get hurt, what ends up happening is that they develop the fight response. So if they're in relational situations, with their boss, with their mom and their dad, with their spouses, with their friends, and they feel as though they're being slighted, mm-hmm. their natural reaction may be to get angry. And we look at them and we're like, oh my God, what is wrong with them? They need anger management. Mm-hmm. Need, yeah, I know a few people like that. It's not a good thing. I, I, I know a few too. <laughs> yes, Those, yeah. They're part of our families. Oh God, yeah. But yes. I... I I can say that all I want, but the truth is, is that it is unpleasant to be around, but there's a level of trauma that has happened and a level of grief that is unresolved that gets them to have that be their natural reaction. That when they feel slighted, yes, they fight. They will feel like the, that trauma response is actually characterized. And I talk about this a little bit more on my Instagram channel with some reels and some little IG videos. I, I think made. we'll have to come back and cover it in detail. This is way deep. And I'm like, we all need to understand what these things <laughs> are that happen around us. We That's think so someone crazy. who's fighting at face value, they are, they are crazy. They are mad. But they could be, it could be a default mode that they have adopted to deal with a certain trauma. Absolutely. Good Lord, and, I never and, thought of that. Oh, yeah. So Ooh. I'll tell you a little bit, and I won't go into a huge detail today just so we can save it for another day. But I also mm-hmm. will mention with anger because anger is a tricky one. There mm-hmm. are different pathologies for anger. So basically mm-hmm. what that means as in pathologies is that the way of motion, the path that it will take. So for mm-hmm. some people, majority of the time, anger is a secondary emotion caused by hurt and fear due to trauma. For some people, anger is a more narcissistic emotional tool used for coercion. So that's a wow. little bit different. Exactly. We got a whole lot of podcast stuff we can do, I swear. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm excited to oh, do it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So the other three are uh, flight, which is running away when you feel the threat. I, I was good at that. I, you, oh, I could run like the wind when I see some, anything that's, threatening me yeah I think even today I still do it not they not physically yeah. I just change rooms if I feel uncomfortable under too much pressure yeah. I just walk away and if I'm followed I go further if not I'll drive away yeah. I run away for me it feels easier to deal with my own pain and anger as yeah. I flee not that I'm being threatened to be fought or anything but it's easier for me to flee than to confront it 
Exactly. And there are lots of other things that go on with it as well. And I can go definitely into more detail into yeah. another podcast, but yeah. uh, flight is very much characterized just by that. The next one is called freeze. Freeze is a very sad and scary one. It's one mm-hmm. where you feel so traumatized and afraid of your environment that your body takes over and you actually freeze, you shut down, you, if it's, we're talking about psychologically, there have been instances, and I was talking, you'll have to forgive me, this is kind of a triggering topic. If mm. anybody's watching this, it has to do with sexual assault. So yeah. just be warned of what I say, but I was talking mm. to someone I knew very recently, that when she was sexually assaulted by somebody, she actually couldn't move. She actually wow. felt that this person and this person wasn't on her or anything, but as this very traumatic act was taking place. She couldn't move. And she said, my body was screaming, run, run. But the fear overtook her and she couldn't do anything. She literally froze. So that is a trauma response as well too. And the last trauma response is a very tricky one. And it's one I struggle with, but I will preface this by saying that all of us can kind of do. We do one of those, if not all of them. Yeah, we do. We tend to draw more maybe to one or two of them a little more than others, but we all, we can all do that. That's just kind of our human psychology that we do one of four. But the last one is called fawn. Fawn is called people pleasing. And that is one that's characterized by a lot of fear, where Mm -hmm. if you are dealing with someone who seems very traumatic, who has hurt you, you feel the need to try and control the environment by calming it down and making the person who is hurting you less volatile. So if it's a person yelling, Mm -hmm. how could you not do the dishes? Can't believe you failed your test again. You say, I'm so sorry. I'm going to try and do better. What if Uh I can make more? So that's, that's the fun, the slash people please response as well. So that is kind of to get back to it here. What causes some of these dysfunctions in our relationships, because Mm -hmm. we're not living out of our personalities. We're living trauma responses. We're living out Mm -hmm. of all three. And they have become our default modes in our relationships. And they've become our alter personality. A lot of yeah, times. Anytime people, there's a challenge, you just go back to that. Yeah. How, was, how, yeah. how do you deal with people who come to you and they have such traumas and they're behaving like any of those? Do you have to do a questionnaire or do you dig in with them or do you do probing to find out where the trauma is from? So I do not currently work as a a trauma specialist or a trauma counselor. That is a Mm -hmm. training that I will be completing in about a year or so. So I don't Mm -hmm. dabble much in trauma um, in a clinical sense, but I do have a lot of experience, one personally and two uh, with a lot of uh, learning that's taking place. And because grief recovery, the area that I'm specialized in has a lot to do with trauma. The two are intertwined. So what I like to do is of course I have an intake form. I just get everyone's information, get to know their medical history and Mm -hmm. everything as well too. But when it comes to getting to know them, I really get to know what their trauma is and what feeling of loss they've experienced. Just like I've said to you before, how death isn't just burying someone, it's the loss of unconditional love, Mm -hmm. safety, the security, the childhood. In grief recovery- Yeah. And grief recovery, because all of us have been traumatized in some capacity. I take on and I listen to what a client's potential and personal trauma is. And then I help them deal with, well, what's the loss you felt? The trauma was, and this has happened to one of my clients who's very unfortunate. She found out her spouse was cheating on her and she was just, poor girl. It was awful. Oh, it was so awful for her. And just 
the pain that we experience as people, we can feel that in our own lives. But when you hear, yeah. yeah and you know, this is a life coach too. There's a lot. I of- do. I do go through this all yeah. the time. Yeah. It's a painful thing. But yeah. I remember speaking to her about, um, that uh, loss and she was very much traumatized and even just a few things that I saw I did definitely recommend that she see a specialized trauma specialist um, and I had one in my back pocket I was able to give it to her mm-hmm. but when we were talking it was really wonderful to see how a lot of her trauma responses settled when she did grief recovery because she was wow. able to actually label what the trauma was as being mm-hmm. a lot of safety, a loss of security a loss of marriage trust trust, trust. The trust is gone the trust is gone and it was hey Um, is it true now that you talk about trust is it true that trust is like virginity when you lose it you can't get it back (laughs) what if i told you helen that i believe virginity is a construct would that just turn (laughs) me on its head (laughs) she's like what are we talking about now i'm done (laughs) okay okay. it's a construct so yeah. you can get back your trust, but you need, I think you, you need to work at it. Oh, definitely. It's like that old saying that people say, trust takes years to build seconds to destroy. So it's yeah, just it is true. So when a loss of trust has happened, and this is actually something I, I uh, counsel a lot of my clients through mm-hmm. as they're dealing with a loss of trust, it's very much about healing the loss of your old self before you knew and then coming to terms with the new you, because wow. the way that we experience grief can be so painful and so overwhelming that yeah. it feels like a split between our personalities. We literally feel mm. like this old me before I knew what it was you were doing or the old me before I did that one thing I said I would never do. Um, and then there's a new me post-trauma. Yeah. So very much I deal with people who deal with regret because a big part of grief is regret. So yes. a part of the program that I um, do some of my services in, we deal with uh, the loss of things we wish we could have done differently, mm. better, or even more so, because that's kind mm. of where a lot of our grief sits too. It's in regret. Oh, yes. Uh, you're, you're hitting na- the nail right on the head. I went through that. I was, I kept replaying how my father passed away because I was there and I kept wondering what I could have done differently. Would I, would it have been better if this happened? Would it have happened if this, what if I didn't do this, you know, and you replay the same video over and over again in different scenarios. And we think that we are in control of everything. No, we are not. You can't, you are not in control of the other person. It is you, you need to deal with. And I think it's the same with trust. You have to learn how to work at it yourself. Otherwise you'll always be walking on broken glass. Yeah. And that's what I love so much about the grief recovery program. And it's been actually, it's the only one in the world. So I'll tell you a little secret. So there are a lot of grief programs out there, but not all of them certified. The only grief, the only grief program that is certified is through the grief recovery Institute. And it is an Uh international program. And we certify lots of grief recovery specialists all over the world, all the time, every month. But of the grief recovery specialists, we only have about a few hundred advanced grief recovery specialists. Wow. And I was blessed enough and I was able to do the requirements. And I'm so thankful to say that I'm the advanced. Thank you. you. I appreciate that. But my purpose in telling you that is that as we're doing this training and as we're doing this program, it's just so much about helping people take back that control that they feel like they've lost. 
because so mm-hmm. much of grief is about being stuck in a cycle where we couldn't do anything. And a lot yeah. of it to do, yes, with regrets that like, I could have done something to not make this breakup happen, or I mm-hmm. could have done something to help my child. But a lot mm-hmm. of it is regret over things we couldn't control because when it comes to death, and I mean, I'm a Christian, so my uh, perspective is very much spiritual in that sense where God is in charge of bringing souls in this world and God is in charge of taking, taking them away. Yeah. But even in something that is so far removed and out of my control, a lot of people still do feel a loss of control. And that is something oh. that they need to grieve. And the program is very big about helping us gain control and taking responsibility for our actions. Now, it's not our fault if we were abused. It was not our fault if we wow. made mistakes and the actions of our consequences were something bigger than we even imagined. You know what I mean? I but, get you. Yeah, but we do play in the grief recovery method as we talk about this. There may be 99% fault for something that has happened to us, but there's always at least a 1% responsibility we can take. And the grief yeah. recovery method is all about grabbing that and taking that 1% and helping focusing, people. Focusing on it, focusing yeah. on it. Yeah. So you only need 1% chance that someone didn't, was not accountable and that's enough to heal. Yeah. Wow. We work on the 1% and it sounds like it's very little, but it's been incredible to counsel so many beautiful people and to see how much their lives have changed when they've taken responsibility for the 1%. Now for the no. same person, yeah, for the same person that I was telling you who had uh, infidelity in her marriage and, mm-hmm. um, she was very much leaving. It was very hard to help her originally because she said, how is it my fault if my husband cheats? I said, it's not your fault. I said, it's absolutely not your fault. I said, but staying stuck in a cycle where you can break free and see your life and see your value as bigger than what has happened to you is your responsibility. And we kind of wrestled back and forth. We did an extra session to talk about it. I'm glad we did. It really helped. But she was finally able to see, okay, I can take responsibility. Even if the power was taken from me in my life, I can take the power back. And it's just wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I am just beyond me now. You're like counseling me now as we talk. (laughs) (laughs) We can have our own private session after the recording. This is a good one. This is a good one. It's a very, very good one. I'm looking at the clock and we have four minutes. We will talk. We'll still come back, talk about relationships, abuse and forgiveness and how you can handle that in the same, in the same sense as trauma. But before we go there, Yes. What advice would you give someone who has refused to accept that it's not up to them to change a person who is repeatedly abusing them? What advice would I give them? Yeah. The advice I would give them, and I have been in situations that, and you know this as well too, that have yes. been healthy and people can tell you all you want, oh, you're valuable. Don't do this. Are you stupid? Don't go in these situations. But the thing that transformed my life and has transformed many women and many men's lives Mm -hmm. is knowing your value. And I know that sounds cliche, but when I started to notice that the person at Starbucks was talking respectfully to me and Mm -hmm. maybe key people in my life that I gave a lot of power and authority to. All about you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Hold on to me and, tr- and be there for me the way that I need it. It was a game changer. So if anyone is out there feeling like I can't break free from this, if you're watching me here on YouTube, look in my eyes, look in the green little speck right here. Uh, yes. Podcast, tune in. You are valuable. You do not deserve to be treated any which way. If you have a Christian belief, Jesus died for you. If you do not have that type of belief, there is a divine presence in you and you are valuable. Your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. Live accordingly. And I find that that's usually the first step in helping people to get free is knowing that they have that power. They have that purpose. I want to say amen. (laughs) I'll say it with you. (laughs) Wow. Those are rich nuggets of stories that I, you know what? We can talk this until the sun sets and rises again, because there's a lot we can talk about. But before that, let's get to you, Monica. Yes. I want people to get to know you apart from the fact that you're a counselor and you can deal with grief and trauma. But what's your fun? What do you like? What kind of music makes you jump up and dance? Oh, I like... I like pop music. I like rap music. I'll listen to anything except for hardcore country. I don't know. When I hear guys talking about their trucks and their farms, it's not really my speed. But anything- <laughs> I said that to someone. They're like, country music isn't about cows. I'm like, it sounds the same. It's always about cows. Tell me when it's not. <laughs> it's about when you hear country music, you see a cowboy in good fitting jeans and a checkered shirt and a, and a lasso. Trying and a lasso. To lasso. Yeah. That's what they're about. Come this on, tell me what like it's not. And there's always this, this, there's always this long, lonely country road that they go through. Country road, take me home to the place <laughs> where I belong. Come on, yeah. It's and that, do you notice right. they always drive a little unsafe? They've got like the one hand on the steering wheel, like and and with us with a with a stick or something coming out of their yeah. mouth, like Clint Eastwood. I'm like, okay, that's cowboy. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's just what I hear. You could be rapping or talking about your girlfriend. All I'm thinking about is cows. So that's the music <laughs> I like. Anything upbeat. I mean, I'm Pakistani, so we like to move. We like to dance. You like to jump a beat. You like to jump a beat. Yeah, that makes sense. You like beats you can jump to. And yes. Pakistan has got rhythm. So I understand. They do have rhythm. Yeah. Hey, if you want to travel anywhere in this world, whether with your family or alone or in just a retreat, what is your dream destination? Where would I find you? Oh, there are lots. But so far, all I have traveled is within North America so far. So I would have to say Europe. It'd be really cool to... Somewhere in Europe? Is there a particular city you're attracted to? Maybe Italy or Greece. Greece. Actually, it's Greece. It's not Italy. The island. Yeah, the island of Greece. Yeah. By the way, it would be you would fit in very easily with your dark hair, your beautiful lashes. You'd fit for a Greek goddess. <laughs> I'd yeah. fit in too because I'd probably be eating feta cheese and cucumbers. That works too. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be good. People should check your genetics. You might be having roots from there. Maybe I should check. Maybe I'll do a 23andMe test. Why not? Yeah, you might find one or where one of those guys moved all the way to India and left a seed there. Yeah. You never know. Long time ago. Like, I know. I was like, wait a minute. You're Solomon too? I see the connection. <laughs> does that go. make sense mm. it does i hear yeah. there were 753 of them mm? yeah <laughs> is my uncle one of them is my uncle i guess we'll see one of them is your uncle or your mom 
Or mom, because yes. if Solomon went all the way, yeah. he might have moved around the world too. Well, we'll point. talk about the Bible and ask those questions later. I always wonder how he made it. Yes. 150 wives and several other concubines? Even the bulls know? don't go that far. No, that I was know. extreme. I well, feel like that's why you're just collecting trophies. I, I think some know. of them are just trophies, not wives. Yeah. It's impossible. One wife is already too much for one man. I wonder how he did even with those ones. <laughs> okay. One yeah. other last question. Yeah. I know you're Pakistani and you love spicy food, but tell me another kind of food that you would go all out for. Forget the, 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 the cucumber and feta cheese. A dish you sit down and say, glory to God. I love this dish. Glory to God for pasta. <laughs> I swear. You know how there's five love languages? I'm convinced yeah. there's, there's a sixth. And uh-huh. the sixth for me is pasta. Make what it. What kind of pasta do you like? Oh God, I could eat anything. I've been eating more plant-based recently because I've had some like autoimmune things come up. Yeah. So just trying to eat less inflammatory foods. But mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like I like a cream sauce with mushrooms. I mean, I wouldn't use milk. I'd probably use the oat milk and yeah. something dairy-free cheese over and you the- love cheese so you can't get that totally out of your system that's true too i was just talking about feta cheese as well too but yeah See? so for me, yeah connections yeah roots. Her- listen if you're listening follow guru helen she's all about <laughs> connections so connect your love life to your trauma your family to your potential connections go with it but yeah, I like Thank that. you. Thank you so much. And if someone was to reach out to you, where would they find you? I know you're in Instagram, IG. I know I've seen a bit on Facebook. But if someone was to write you and get to find out and connect with you, how would they find you? So I can give you this information directly as well, too. I'm not sure if you're going to be. Yeah, we'll put it. I'll put it in the at the notes on the podcast, but just tell them. Absolutely. So two ways you can get in touch with me is through my Instagram and through an email. So my Instagram handle is peacefulhead and that's full with two L's as in your head is filled with peace. So peaceful.head and that is in Instagram. And then my email hit is still peaceful with two L's dot head. TS stands for therapeutic services at gmail.com. So you're free to reach out and I do offer free consultations to see how the grief recovery method can help you heal your life and overcome your traumas and help you be the best you. Wow. Monica, I know we'll continue in another session, but thank you for this one. It was deep. It was detailed. Hey guys, you've heard about trauma. You've heard about grief. You've heard about how you can trace your traumas, where it could be from. We have had very many examples. We've also learned that it is possible to heal from traumas, to get back your power, and learn to trust yourself and those around you again. Monica, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for your time, Helen. This was wonderful. Thank you. And that is all we had for today. I'm glad that you learned something, you grew, you enjoyed And I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, share so that your friends can also learn a thing or two from the platform. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Helen Juma, or at Guru Helen on Instagram, Facebook. This podcast was sponsored by Popstar. Get yourself a copy 
on www.guruhelen.com. And until next week, where we shall invite another guest, learn, grow, and love some more. This is Helen signing out. Peace and love to y'all.